This episode is brought to you by Word Realms, the RPG where words are your weapons. Visit wordrealms.com to check it out. I don't think you're ready for the jelly. It's fine. I don't need to be ready for it. I question your jelly preparedness. <laughs> I mean, what's going to happen to me if I'm not ready for that jelly? What, what's the worst that could happen? I can't remember. On this, on this day and this week and this year, what is the worst that can happen to me if I'm not ready for that jelly? I can't remember what Beyonce um, hypothesizes right, will be the, the outcome of your, the, of your... If you game out whether or not you're ready for the jelly, what are the... I don't know. <laughs> Beyonce. I don't think I'm ready for this jelly. Games, video 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 It's June 6, 2013. And this is Idle Thumbs 109. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. And I'm Sean Vanneman. And none of us is Jake Rodkin. For the first time? The first time ever. I had Jake my was cast. I, I was the had my first not on Idle Thumbs moment like a month ago when you guys were in Britain. Mm-hmm. And now Jake. Well, everybody has to have their time, I guess. It's like when Cal Ripken no, 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 decided. No, no. That's not true. It. Don't say this, everybody. That's only me and Jake have that moment. Well, I mean, there have been episodes that I, I just did them There's early. There's like 60 episodes. Yeah, I just got on. those out of the way. <laughs> What's your problem? But no, it's like Iron Cal Ripken sitting it down. Yeah. Just being like, nope, yeah, yeah, yeah. taking the afternoon off, fellas. Uh-huh. I'm good. My record is firmly in place. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jake made it to 100, which I didn't. I was a couple episodes shy of 100. So, Is that, are you sour about that? No, I'm, I'm I'm a little wistful. I wouldn't say I'm sour. I that's feel sad. like I admire Jake's. If this was a press conference tenacity. right now, everybody would be writing about how that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't buy it for a minute. <laughs> I just want to thank Jesus Christ for letting me get all these episodes in a row. Yeah, so yeah. much bullshit I've been able to spout. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Well, Jake, I would say, is actually just home playing all the sweet video games that came out with the past week. But he's actually at the opera. He's at the opera, which will be an interesting point to consider mm. next episode when we read an email about opera. Yeah. Because we, Jake, made a bunch of claims about opera. Last he week. did. Mm-hmm. And some reader went, And a very educated reader <laughs> decided to make some points. Somebody um, cornered me about that, too. Oh, Pierre at the office just was like, oh, Jake doesn't know what he's talking about. He just went off for like 20 minutes. Is Pierre an opera man? Opera specifically? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. He had some very strong opinions about hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I was, I was a music major and like I have definitely seen a number of operas and I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I know some operas and I, there are some that I like, but I definitely am not that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the, the email the guy wrote, oh, this is stupid to talk about because we're not going to talk about it until next right. week, but um, so let's actually piece. talk about what's going on. We actually recorded a podcast a couple days ago 
Um, it was so good. It was probably the best one that we've recorded ever. Mm-hmm. And Jake was on it. Jake was on it. Nick wasn't. So these things are all part. <laughs> these all things all contribute to. Uh, no, but yeah. um, it's certain flavor. Yeah, but uh, our our equipment destroyed it. Um, yeah. So we're gonna try this again, and hopefully it sticks this time. We and got- if this one doesn't. It's been excellent, and the podcast is yeah. over. <laughs> right. Yeah, if we lose two of these in a week, that's... I'm I don't think will just be the home of Dota today. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Well, we <laughs> have quality control moves in place now. Sean is going to be moder- monitoring the podcast through his set of cans here. I'm telling you, I just put them on. Uh-huh. <laughs> sound excellent. Just sound magnifique. It's crisp. Yeah. Mm. Really nice. Um, all right. Anyway, uh, yeah. we're done talking about absolutely nothing for like five minutes straight. It's called a soft opening. This yeah. has been an amazing week a video game like the the week leading up to today has been pretty mm-hmm. remarkable as far as i'm concerned because um essentially within that week maybe a few days before the swapper came out and then gunpoint came out this week and these are like i mean i don't know if both of you guys have played both those games yes. sean i know you have nick i don't know i've played them a little know. okay these are some of the most impressive games i feel like i've played in a while yeah i yeah, yeah, i am yeah. extremely happy about this situation. <laughs> well, it's like, Sean, you were saying the other day, you know, like you go through periods sometimes where you're like, all right, stuff's coming out. Like, cool. You know, whatever people have like the heat, there's like the big kind of, um, tentpole games that come out and it's like, all right, all right, cool. But like, sometimes you, you just, you get into one of those phases where a couple things come out that are just really affecting to you. And it just, you get really, do you think happy, it has to do with the fact things. that, you know Tom Francis, and he's one guy who made one great game. Do you I don't, think, is that a piece of it? You think? No, I don't think so because I don't feel because the swapper. I don't know anything about the person who made that game. Yeah, you know, and I still mm-hmm. feel like it's really excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am separately extremely happy for Tom Francis who made Gunpoint, um, like as its own thing. Like mm-hmm. that is great. Um, and and in, in general terms, the fact that a guy like that who's he's a writer, he writes for PC Gamer. Um, he's been a game writer for years, and this is the first thing first game he's ever made and i'm pretty sure the first thing he's ever programmed which is like yeah bonkers to me he made this thing in in uh, game maker or is that what it is game maker yeah it's game maker yeah. and uh and it's fantastic it's one of the most solid game designs um i've seen recently yeah and i i don't know i'm really impressed yeah it's really 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 good i've played it enough now mm-hmm. to you were where playing it when we came in yeah well like i was playing when i i feel like i've been now three podcasts in a row, mm-hmm. but uh, I was I'm to a point now where I have like my like things I love about it and things I'm like oh you know but like I just want to talk about the things I love about it. I think yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, really want to talk about other stuff. I mean, we talk. <laughs> I'm not talking to an. I'm oh, not talking to an. Oh, wait for things. Okay, I'll turn it What I love about Gunpoint yeah. is uh, it's just so. I mean, you were just sitting there while I was playing. Yeah. And, and I was angry. So watching you play... Were you angry separate? To separately, just, separately. In life. But then watching right. you just play... Just an angry man. Yeah. But watching you play, though, I became happy. But I think you would... I'd just be playing, and like every five or ten minutes, I'd just hear, yeah. oh, God, this music. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. So let's, oh, man. let's explain it's what, really this game, good. what this game is, <laughs> yeah. like roughly. We've probably mentioned. No, wait. I think we've mentioned it before, but just yeah. really quick. Let's see if I can keep this like thirty seconds. This is a side-scrolling game where you play a detective. I don't know, like a, a kind of 
infiltrator kind of trench coat guy. You're a freelance spy. Freelance spy, freelance. essentially, yeah. yeah, who sneaks into buildings in order to steal information and conduct sabotage and things. And so you have the – you gain very early in the game the ability to rewire systems, uh, power systems, uh, um, like cameras, doors. Anything that's on a circuit, basically. Yeah, yeah. To, in order to reconnect those things, create new relationships and, you know – Outwit the guards, basically. And so you can do totally crazy things like hook up a door to a light switch and open the door by flicking the light switch. Or right. like a level beyond that, if you, you turn out a light, the guard then goes to turn the light back on. But by then, you've rewired the light switch to the door. So when he tries to flick the light switch on, it actually throws the door open violently and smacks him in the face and knocks him out. Yeah. And it's that or kind of – Or traps him in a room or right. – yeah. And it's it's just the best. Yeah, it's just fantastic. And it has a fidelity of control that is spectacular. You use just A and D to move left and right, and uh, W to sort of activate things. And then your mouse is a uh, charge jump, jumping mechanic that allows you to fling yourself across uh, big big spaces in really really clean nice arcs. And you have these sort of flow moments. That you get mm-hmm. in a good yeah, game. Totally. That you get in a game about... Fill it way about me- both of these games. Right. About... And very different, though. Very different. Yeah, there's, like, dexterous flow versus sort of, like, um, logical flow. From Between, the like, the, the beauty of a plan unfolding, Yeah, you know, in, a, in make, a very calculated way. And then, you well, you make the plan, and then you have this dexterous sort of, like... Execution. Execution yeah. flow, whereas I think we'll talk about it. And then a swapper is sort of, like... When you get into the zone on like a crossword puzzle, where you're like, "This is this, and then this, I'm gonna put this there, do that there, mm, do that that's there." That's really you interesting. Know? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's like maybe that's just very personal, but um, like are you just on, just on an exit of a building, there was a guard still alive, but I really quickly just wired a security camera to the door I wanted to go out and flung myself at it. So when I went through the security <laughs> camera, it opened the door and I just <laughs> went out beautifully. Went <laughs> yeah, I just sort of like as oh, a, as so yeah, good. yeah, it was oh, really. Man. And I went like, and yeah, you watched that actually. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, like oh, oh, this yeah, is really like wonderful. Yeah, 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 play, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And the game is—that's the thing that actually boggles my mind the most because I feel like feel controls, like this is sort of like, you know, every little bit of response and oh, like how how slow, how fast does this guy ramp up when he mm-hmm. runs, and how quickly does he stop, and what does yeah. it feel like when I stick to a wall? Those things are so mercurial for most programmers to just get ever so right and be like, this is exactly how I want it to feel. It's not floaty. The guy's got well, and like the swapper, for example, doesn't quite nail that. That exactly. is a part of it. You know? Right. Yeah. And then Tom Francis just walks up to the plate and he's like, oh, I think I know how to do this. And just nails it's it. Like, he, it's like um, Blue Oyster Cult or something. You know, like right. Blue Oyster Cult, they were like a bunch of critics. Like they were a bunch of like music writers. And they're just like, we could, we could like make a rock band. And then they write, like, don't fear the Reaper. And yeah. you're like, you fuckers. Like, <laughs> All right. Fine. Like, do that, I Whatever. guess. Whatever. I guess you could. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, Tom Francis just been, like, just chugging along, writing really well. Like, he's a really good writer. Writing really good games journalism for years and years and years. And be like, what if I tried programming a game? What if I tried to make a game? Yeah. And he doesn't come across as, like, chuffed Which for I guess himself. is how he's, he's just also, of... like, Richard Hoffmeyer of Cart Life. I think that guy had done yeah. some, st- some stuff beforehand. Richard Hoffmeyer, though, he, he is a much guy... weirder figure in total. He's yeah. a much more like um, enigmatic. Figure. Right, not weirder is a pejorative. Yeah, I would agree. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think in his, remember in his like IGF acceptance speech, like, I didn't even know this existed like six months ago. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> That's true. That so is a big nice. difference. Yeah. Whereas Tom Francis, obviously he's yeah. been, you know, mm-hmm. like an observer of all this stuff very deeply for, for years mm-hmm. and years. So, uh, actually this is a question that I haven't brought up to you yet as in any of our conversations, like recorded or otherwise, but I want to get to it when we talk about the swapper mm-hmm. because this is, I don't know, this is a dumb question. This is something I've been thinking about. I mean, maybe this is totally not right to talk about, but Gunpoint has, like, been sort of hanging in the top five on Steam since release, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. A swapper has sort of fallen away. It, yeah, it fell, fell away pretty quickly. Yet, I would say the atmosphere and the production value and just sort of, like, the money on the screen, if that's a really bad way to say it, yeah. but just, it just looks like such a swapper, polished the swapper, the swapper. Yeah. So it's a and really I think expensive, it was an expensive game, but I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Like it's got those particle effects and, and shaders right. and, and just beautiful like lighting and, and things just, that are yeah, pretty specular shit all over with, the place. Like, yeah. So what's the question? My question is, well, it's I think you're saying why is this Why do you, yeah. Cause yeah. I think the game one has gun in the name. <laughs> well, it's we, definitely yeah. part of it. Yeah, part I, of I it. think Actually, that's part of it. Yeah. For real. Point is a great name. It's a great name. The swapper. Not so good in the swapper. Not so good. Not yeah. so good. Cool in the swapper. Yeah, I'm calling out the swapper. Well, it's called that. Your character is actually John Swapper. <laughs> you mean Joanne Swapper? Joanne Swapper. Joanne. Yeah. The, yeah. 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 Jean. Yeah. She goes by Joe. You, how about Sam? Sam Swapper. Sam, you know, Sam, Sam, Sam Swapper. Because I feel like you know, you go, you know that could go either way. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? It's a unisex name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it just kind of bums. Sam me. Swapper sounds like the name of a, like a. <clears throat> A like mid two thousands. God, it's too bad Jake's not here for this idiotic joke. Like a mid two thousands European like two D adventure game that like some, <laughs> some like Spanish company or like French company or something. Yeah, yeah. Like Sam Swapper. He's a tough talking private eye. Like and you know it's got like a stupid dog that talks maybe. I don't. This is like, that's what I hear. Sam Swapper. I think of like that like mid tier. Kind of European adventure game developer that w- like existed in great numbers for some reason for several years, or a new. Nouveau... Talking about it all, or am I, am I just an insane no, with you. person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. totally fine, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. The swappers. So on the flip side, I mean, they're very similar in the way you plan things out. But in the swapper, you're on a space station, and you get a device that allows you to clone yourself, and every input you it's a 2D game, so you left, right, up, down. You run, and, you run and jump. I hear you say 2D without thinking of 2D consume. 2D like, consume? Every single 2D, time you, 2D say 2D 2D, you say 2D, like, I, it doesn't, I don't, I only mentioned it now, but it's, it's literally <laughs> every single time in our lives that I hear you say You're haunted by 2D, the ghost of 2D consume? I just hear 2D, 2D, 2D consume. 2D consume. So, anyway. Oh. Thanks. You don't, <laughs> no, go on. No, this is not. <laughs> no, 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 no. Fuck games on this was, one, okay? Jake's not here in his pocket. Like, whatever. This is the second version. We don't of talk it. about video games when video games isn't here. Yeah. Um, the Swapper. <laughs> Whenever I hear you say the Swapper, I just think of you saying Gunga Galunga. Like, I just think of you in person. <laughs> so I can't even say words anymore <laughs> without you just hearing me say the bullshit words right. that you I say. that, I, I, all I hear is Obama. Well, I, think of, <laughs> I think of you saying, like, What do you, you know, want me to do? A caddy. What I can't what? say anything without you. <laughs> What do you uh, want me to say? What do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think if you saying like a caddy, a jo- like you know, a swapper. Oh yeah, a jock, a jock, like you know, a caddy. 
<laughs> that's, a jack. Whenever, whenever you say swapper, yeah. that's all I think of. Sorry, if I could just like serially derail you at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can serially derail something once it's already been derailed, but. I think it just as it starts to get back onto the rail, you like yeah. give it a little nudge. The people like, oh, in the yeah. coach cards, what the fuck I is think we're going good. on? Oh, look, guys, we're finally going. Oh, the fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, so the swapper. It's a game where you, yeah, you, oh, you mean the swapper? You mean the Gunga Galunga? The, g- the Gunga Galunga? <laughs> no, I've ruined everything for myself. And our readers. Yeah. And, and everyone. <laughs> They're Sorry, gone. this podcast was also mysteriously ruined. <laughs> <laughs> Distortion. Yeah. Checking it. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I was we just thinking that while you were saying it. Yeah. Joke about it. It's time to do that. Oh, you sound really nice. Oh, you're goddamn right, I do. Whoa. All right. I know. Hi I'm guys. Right now, so. <laughs> I'm Jake. I know. Brad came on the on Dota today mm. and we went to record. He's like, you guys have such nice voices. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. You, sir. Yeah. yeah. No, Brad is a, a prince. Did you feel the energy of Brad of Brad Muir over there? Yeah, it's still just kind of hovering. God, that guy's just, got a lot of energy. Yeah. He does. It's really, yeah. really impressive. Yeah, yeah. 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 Should yeah. we mention this? Massive Chalice? Well, the, what, you know, Why not? Dota Today and Brad Mir. Did we already mention it? I don't think we Yeah, did. I mean, uh, so Nick and I started our own Dota podcast because so we weren't allowed to talk about Dota anymore on this one. Because <laughs> uh, Chris and Jake drew a pretty hard line in the sand on Nick that. Nick and I started our own Dota podcast because we were grounded by our parents. <laughs> and we, like, we weren't allowed to do, We weren't allowed to play Super Nintendo anymore. So we well started our own Dota podcast. It's like amazing. It's fine. It's I'm good. so jealous right. of your podcast. You can come on sometime. Maybe we'll have you. Yeah, I know. I just, I'm just an idiot we'll about see. that stuff. See if we can but, book like, you. Yeah, these guys do a podcast podcast now called dota today which is dota today.net you can find it there it's on our website and uh they um this week's episode episode two they had brad muir one of my coworkers from double fine on um talking obviously about dota 2 and also about massive chalice which is a game we're kickstarting right now that brad thought of and is in charge of it was um, fun because your episode was great it was a really good episode well, i guess I you, you heard it yeah but it was fun talking about uh just sort of game agnostic just mechanics you mm-hmm. know taking yeah. a mechanic from here and how it can apply somewhere else and Things he's learned by playing Dota that he, like, has sort of ingrained in himself uh, that he wants to put in a massive chalice. And I've been playing um, either just some friends games and also games at, like, other companies lately, uh, just giving notes for friends. And I was playing a uh, sort of like a, I don't know, a top-down action thing for a friend who uh, works at a company in town. And I said, like, does somebody on the team play Dota? He's like, oh yeah, these guys are fucking obsessed with it. <laughs> I was like, you could just tell because oh, yeah. of things like about. character positioning and those things mattering. And I don't know. I thought that was that was a really fascinating yeah. conversation. Yeah, that's cool. You should check it out it's on funny. that podcast. I feel like yeah, a not like... ruined one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was just going to start talking about Dota. This is insane. I'll just come on your podcast someday. But uh, oh, wow. I can't. Wow. You force us to create our own other podcast. <laughs> yeah. So we don't talk about Dota anymore. This is such a dad moment right now. This is this is amazing. A dad moment. Yeah. Oh, well, don't I... swear, kids. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, dad, you did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. No, so you should go. I'll have you on some. So this is like this entire conversation. This entire like four conversation we've had exists in the middle of a sentence you were saying about the swapper. So let's go back to the swapper. Let's go back to that sentence. The swapper is great. You were talking. It is a two-dimensional. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah. Action, not it's rendered action, in 3D, but puzzle yeah, platformer. Yeah, rendered rendered in 3D, where you are on a space station and you get a device that allows you to make clones of yourself that you can then transport your consciousness in between, as long as you can essentially shoot them. Yeah, and the thing that's really remarkable about the game is obvious. So you have to solve puzzles and find objects based on using your clones. 
uh, to get to them. And every time you take one step forward, all your clones take one step forward. Every time right. you jump, they all jump. Mm-hmm. So you use that sort of direct one-to-one um, character input to solve platforming puzzles. Yeah. Stand it on feels left. like certain parts of Braid. Yes. I mean, and that's the thing, right? If I said Fuck. a game that came out this week is a combination of Braid and Metroid with a little bit of Portal to it, right. and it's set in space, and, and it's it not top feel, ten on Steam right now. it kind of feels like that movie Moon. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. This is what we were, we got diverged from. Right. You were talking about the top 10 thing. Yeah. And now that game is like, buy this game. It's like $12, $11. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's incredible. I think yeah. Gunpoint's $9. Yeah. For, you together, can get, you get them both. For 20 bucks. They're, they have a special deal going it's, right now called They're Being Sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Called yeah. These Games Actually Exist and yeah. You Can Play Them. Yeah. They're for you. Mm-hmm. And you can get both of them. <laughs> For like twenty bucks, it's They're unreal to me how good these games are. <laughs> this is going into PR actually after he's after he's done yeah. being a <laughs> yeah. Being a these mo- games are for you. <laughs> these games are for you. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean, I can't really recommend the game enough. I'm only a couple hours in. I've had I've hit my one f- first real wall in a puzzle where I'm like, oh god, this one's really challenging. Yeah. And I've like and in, in, uh, made my wife sit down and try to help me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm farther than you are, but <clears throat> we're both not. I mean, I've played like three or four hours, I mm-hmm. think, but. We're both apparently not far enough to have finished the game. And one of the things that is really fascinating to me, I was thinking about, um, you know, I mentioned Moon a second ago. And this, um, tonally, this reminds me of Moon a lot, even though it's completely yeah. different. But one of the things that it reminded, it made me think about is that, so I'm going to say some things about Moon that are spoilers and assume that's fine. Um, uh, so sorry if it isn't. But um, that movie is about a character who, <laughs> oh! I know. You thought it was going to be about a moon. <laughs> it's about a guy who lives on the moon. So it's kind of both. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's about a, 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 a guy played by Sam Rockwell who lives on a moon base alone ostensibly and is, you know, responsible for this mining operation that just takes forever. And it turns out over the course of the movie you learn that he is – the Sam in this movie that you know is actually just the latest of a sort of disgustingly high number of clones that – of of the original Sam, who eventually sort of deteriorate and die, and then are replaced with the next clone. They have like a three year shelf life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, and what I thought was interesting, and so the Swapper is also kind of about this. Like there are moments in the there are moments in the Swapper that are like weird and shocking, but they're just incidental gameplay moments. They're not things that happen like in a cutscene or something. You you can start doing really impressive things in this game. You when you right click. To place one of your clones, the entire timescale of the world slows to a crawl. So the simulation is still technically running, but you have plenty of time to, like, place your clone Mm -hmm. and then zap into that, like, transfer your consciousness into that clone. And then – so what you realize at a certain point, and this is an amazing moment when you first do it, is that you can basically climb – you can sort of fly by just cloning yourself way above you, immediately uh, swapping into that higher clone, repeating, repeating – and all those the other clones that you've that you've created just splat they just fall to the they just fall to the ground and ragdoll and they're just dead forever and the game never remarks on it at all yeah and it's re- and it's really weird and there's a there's clearly a version of this game that could have existed that was just the kind of fun quirky game where you, and in fact I've played games like that on Newgrounds mm-hmm. and stuff you know and where you that have similar mechanics but that don't put the tonal pieces in place. To, to kind of put you off 
to, to, to put you on edge, unease. you know, to give you yeah. that unease. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because <clears throat> Moon eventually, even right from the beginning, just by virtue of the fact that Moon is one guy at a space station with yeah. a weird computer, um, it, 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 it gives you a sense of unease. But when Moon starts um, unveiling that conceit, it's entire, the movie is entirely about the kind of interpersonal effect that this incredibly strange situation would have on a person you know, it's funny, and though. himself. I actually think that this is more akin to something like The Prestige where you're actually mm. complicit in your own clone's demise. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Pick up on that in a second because that's I yeah. never even thought of that. That's really yeah. interesting. Um, the thing I was going to say is that, uh, I guess probably the reason I thought of Moon is just because they're both in space. Yeah, sure. I mean, totally. Both, it's totally. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I, but, like, I, obviously but I still want to hear your, your thoughts yeah. on this. But, like, the thing I thought was mm. interesting is that um, – and this, Nick, I'm sure this is what you're going to speak yeah, to I in mean, a second. Um, the, I'm not going uh, to speak to The swapper, it. like... I refuse. No, I want you to. The swapper um, <laughs> doesn't bother with that stuff at all, at least not at the beginning of the game. It's entirely about, like, how do you manipulate these things in just the most effective way? It's about the mechanic. It's purely about the mechanical mm-hmm. aspect of that. And it lets the it lets the other implications just, like, literally fall to their death. Mm-hmm. And, like... I, it makes me really, really, yeah, I'm sure there's people listening to this who have completed the game already and are like tearing their hair out because I'm, I wonder what happens in this video game. Yeah. But I'm really, like, to me, if there's not a payoff for that, I'm going to be bummed. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if there's not a payoff for this weird thing that the game, like Nick, as you put it, is making you complicit in, like, yeah. I'm going to be bummed about that because it's, it's really interesting in a way that most games that feel like this don't usually push on very hard. Yeah. Um, and I find that really, in, I find that really intriguing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I only played it for 20 minutes, but I mean, there was a moment where, um, I was at a lift and, uh, that was very British of me, but I was, at, I was <laughs> in an elevator and, uh, I, I Sci-fi just, settings always use words like lift though, because it sounds more. Yeah. Abstract yeah. Right. Yeah. It was, it was a lift. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I just, it's probably I, a grav lift. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I just I I kind of used a clone to essentially like test the depth of this lift. You know, I just cloned one just to see <laughs> just what the to fall see if would, you would do. Survive the fall like damage. Hear a pebble just, fall to the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Well. And <laughs> he just you. And yeah. he one fell, but he he like I, I didn't like I didn't think there was actually any like physics modeling in this game. But like he sort of clipped through the lift, yeah. and then his leg was just falling off of the lift, and he just basically got caught in the thing. And so as I was like eventually riding this elevator down, my clone was just dead next to me, like contorted yeah. and weird. Oh, doing this video game, just doing this really horrible video stuff. game ragdoll yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. And I, it, like in that moment, I was like, man, yeah, this is really disturbing. And I hope that like that was the intention because it, if it is, it's really good. Like. Yeah. It has to be. There are puzzles later where you have to manage how many of yourself you have alive. So there's just a pit, you know, and you're like, Mm -hmm. I'll just run two of them into the pit. So I get two. And like, that's when it's just so. Mm -hmm. Also, the narrative content. Also, for what it's worth, like I haven't played, I haven't completed the game and I actually don't know if the main character is even a male or a female. It's not even. Sorry, I keep thinking it's a woman because of something about this. I've said I've corrected you like three times for some reason, but it's only because I think it is a woman, but because maybe that's a reality I wove for myself early on. Yeah. 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 You could Hmm. be right. Um, But the, the, I think the first, you, you, over the course of the game, you uncover things through um, little written logs and also occasional uh, less common audio, um, 
little fragments from another person. In mm-hmm. this, in and sometimes this you see that person on the mm-hmm. same screen yeah. as you. Uh-huh. And uh, and one of the first ones you find, maybe the first one you find is a is a written log between two people who you know presumably formerly lived in this in this base, which is now almost entirely uninhabited. And one of them just says something like, "Yeah, you know." Kim just refuses to even be in the room with one of those swapper devices. Just doesn't trust it. And it's like, Nick, you were saying, I, I hope that's the intent. Like, it must be. Okay, if, they right, wrote, yeah. if they wrote something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, good. I yeah. love that the first thing. I think you find that um, right at the beginning of the game. It's really nice. And yeah. It's, yeah. I thought I agree. It really sets the tone uh, in a really in a really cool way. And it kind of – it gives – the game has kind of portal-like mechanics such as um, areas you can't – clone into or areas you can't swap into if there's a clone there and those are represented by sort of colored lights that are projected and you can block those lights and so on but that that very early initial little narrative seed i feel like kind of sells the notion Mm. that that this when they created this thing they didn't really know what it was and after they realized what it was they had to find ways to limit it you know and like and i i I thought that was that, that was effective. You know, I mean, it's still obviously a very puzzle game conceit thing. Like, oh, we need to gate you in some areas, and we need to give constraints to make the puzzles more interesting. But I didn't find myself that that stuff didn't seem egregious to me. It was right. like, oh man, this and is I a also weird thing. The to little exist. bits, like the audio logs, and just the one little the little snippets of story you do get are like really nicely executed. Mm-hmm. On they're really well written, and they're not they don't overstay their welcome. And the one exception to that for me is the kind of weird telekinetic mind rocks you pass yeah. by that kind of beam goofy braid like i would say yeah yeah little um obviously intended to read like disembodied consciousness mm-hmm. you know coming into your brain like sort of the earliest sort of bits of self-awareness existential question yeah and it's like stuff, yeah. it just seems so done before mm-hmm. you know i'm just not not super crazy about it but the actual concrete you know human written stuff <clears> that you find like yeah that. yeah yeah. Oh, you know what's interesting? I, I mentioned this to you guys the other day, but I the um, I, it was so funny because I was playing Gunpoint, and I really like the writing in Gunpoint. It's really like snappy and clever and cool. Um, but I find myself not necessarily needing it that much, not mm-hmm. because I think it's bad, but just because I'm like everything about this game sells what this game is. You know, like everything. Um, Tom Francis even even you know goes to the point of spelling out right at the beginning of the game just. I, I guess almost similar to how the swapper does it, um, why you have the ability to like survive these incredibly long falls and, and you know, why you can jump these crazy distances and so on. And it's funny. I didn't think about this specific comparison until til right now, but it's funny to me that both of these games, which are, which are both very mechanics driven player oriented games, <clears throat> both kind of give you a little, a little just hint, a little bit of framing for their core conceit. Right at the beginning, but Gunpoint does it in a way that just by its tone is like, and it's like you got magic pants, like, <laughs> like don't worry, don't worry about it, like it works. That's all you need to know. Whereas in the Swapper's case, it's like, yeah, I just can't stand being around this weird Swapper device, and so you're yeah. like, what, what, what? Like already, the, I have to the, use this thing. Yeah, constantly. Now. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, and I thought I, I found it really interesting how much. That just set the tone mm-hmm. for for what I want out of the narrative of those games, you know. Whereas in yeah. in Gunpoint, it's like, well, the narrative is is cool, like the the dialogue is cool, but mm-hmm. like ultimately, it's you're this freelance 
spy who's hired to go on these missions. And like, that's exactly what the game is. That's yeah. what it is. Like, I don't, um, I, I, you know, I haven't completed the game yet, so there might very well be weird, weird twists and turns later. But I mean, essentially, the stuff that's going on those pants are alive. The, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, whereas you in, are the pants. <laughs> that guy's a dead body. <laughs> Gunpoint. Gunpoint is a cadaver, Gun, yeah. and you are just the pants. It's like a weird. It's like a weekend at Bernie's yeah. situation. Oh yeah. man, gross. Um, you know, whereas in the Swapper, um, I. And a part of it is also just how the games look. You know, like I think John, uh, Tom, Tom Francis smartly um, didn't go overboard with like the crazy narrative stuff in Gunpoint because that game looks very kind of good natured. You know, like it, whereas the Swapper looks really uh, melancholy mm-hmm. and kind of almost Metroid like, but even more so yeah. in its, in its um, uh, solitary, um, dismal nature. I had a moment playing the Swapper where. It was like, yes, God, I'm so, like, yes, yes. So my wife sat down behind me to play it. Mm-hmm. And, and like, you were just like, yes, yeah, mm, yeah. I wasn't in two seconds because <laughs> she goes, she goes, oh, man, I really, this game is, huh. Wow, it's kind of like Metroid. I was like, whoa, what? Whoa. What? She's like, yeah, I remember that game being cool. I was like, do you want to play Super Metroid together sometime? Like, yeah, I really like that. Let's <laughs> wow. do that. That game was like really. When was the last time Amelia played a video game of her own volition? I don't. I've, I've known Amelia for four years. I don't know. I've never seen. I've never seen her do it. Well, so at least right. That's so yeah, what I was like when at. she like, was at yeah. home with like like uh, my brother in law, we're like the exact same age, almost mm-hmm. like freakishly so, mm-hmm. and we both had games and came up around the same. But both Nintendo families, so mm-hmm. like very similar. Sure. Yeah. So he must have back then. Yeah. yeah. Nick just just cast you a. The no, just eye. talking about that reminded me of explaining StarCraft Two to Amelia, and also reminded me we should talk about that Barcraft. Oh yeah, we should. That was yeah. really sweet of you, by the way. That was really yeah. fun. So, I trying to explain StarCraft Two to somebody who has no conception of what a like what an RTS, what an RTS is. is yeah. yeah, hilarious. Yeah, but so, also kind of it's good well, in the same way of explaining Dota to somebody yeah. who doesn't know what Dota is. But, well, so yeah. we were. You want to talk about where we were? What the context? Yeah, we, was? I mean, so there was a um, StarCraft Two uh, championship is the regional. WCS America uh, uh, finals. playoffs um, last weekend. And uh, the local bar here, um, just actually just a block down the street from us, Dear Mom. Um, a really great friend bar. of the show. Friend of the Jay show. Beeman. Jay Beeman owns hey, Dear Mom. Yeah, hey, Jay. Uh, yeah. We love your bar. It's the best. Um, and Thanks for listening. Yeah. They, so they actually hosted a barcraft, which is when you just go to a bar and watch StarCraft on te- you know television or whatever. Um, with an amazing custom menu of food. God, yeah. we should have that menu and just read from it. It's on the hilarious. blog. It's on the yeah. blog. There we go. Okay. I, I mean, there yeah. are some things I can remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the tasty Zerg- toasts. There's one yeah. thing that I remember. The Zerg eggs. The Zerg and most eggs. importantly, the Planetary Fortress. No, no, no. no, no, no. Oh, oh, yeah, right. Most importantly, Tassadar's wiener. Tassadar's wiener, of course. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the food at Dear Mom is spectacular. Yeah. So even though it says Zerg eggs, right, and. Yeah. Tassadar's wiener. Yeah, you're still getting like still getting an, art- an artisanal yeah. hot dog. Yeah, let's not undersell the Zerg like, eggs like, were like, like these yeah. potato pancakes, right. With like dusted with like chili powder and like, these poached eggs, or oh man, and like cheese and aioli. Like it, it was delicious. But yeah, you're was, eating Zerg eggs. And in fact, when I when I placed my order at the at the food counter, I was like, yeah, I'll have I'll have an order of the eggs. And the waitress was like, you mean the Zerg eggs? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, those. Yes, the, I mean the Zerg eggs. I'm sorry that we're infesting your. Yeah. <laughs> All right, your lady. bar here. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was really but, cool. Yeah. Um, so, like, I had never seen competitive... This is the second time I'd ever seen competitive StarCraft, I should say. Yeah. But we brought... Uh, I, pr- I promised my wife that I would take her to brunch, right. but I didn't tell her that it was <laughs> You didn't tell her? Mom. I didn't know that part. Oh, just, my God. Oh, that's, that makes it even funnier because she saw the menu and it was like the tasty tosis, the infested hamburger, Tassadar's wiener, Zerg eggs, like all this bullshit, <laughs> buffalo wings of liberty. Thing. And and uh, she'd only been to this bar once yeah. before. And so – and we we were sitting there all eating for a while. She and I had both of the eggs and we were kind of talking about it. And uh, And someone at one point said something – about how this was, these were StarCraft things, and she was like, "Wait, these are all jokes from a video game? I thought this bar was just super weird." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, then when there was a match, you yeah, I was, you, like, I was trying to ex- under your wing, and just, I was really yeah. trying. Um, and she was hilarious though. She she said the funniest thing. She was like. Like, I was explaining, like, you know, the resource system. Like, you have to collect minerals, and then you collect gas, and yeah. then you spend those minerals well, on gas on building buildings, off. and then you build, make those buildings build men, and then they all, and, and she's like, so what do you do with them all? And I was like, well, you just all go to war. And she, <laughs> she was like, wait, so there's nothing to do other than just fight and kill each other? And I was like, yeah, pretty much. She's like, what would happen if everybody just, if everybody just decided to go to the middle of the map and just lay down arms and just build buildings and construct, <laughs> like, a really nice place? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> what would happen? I don't know. I guess it's a stalemate. Yeah. Well, because then you hypothesize that if, P- yeah. if two guys in the finals were just like, oh yeah. Well, because the yeah. there were the um, the semifinals right. was, there was two guys two, from the same, same team. Same team. Right. Yeah, right. Right. So it's like, yeah. what if they're both just like, say, a bro, can't. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I want to say they would probably be aesthetically from StarCraft. They would probably be completely ostracized. You don't think like a cello would start playing and everybody would realize and have like an end of a 90s movie moment? Right. Like, yeah. 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 The first guy in the audience gets up and just does the slow clap. Yeah. Just bittersweet symphonies playing. Yeah. He's yeah. just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'd be mm. good. Yeah, it would be. Just, let's just make a bass that's aesthetically pleasing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so what you guys need to do is somehow seed. No, this would never. Uh, wouldn't work. I was going to say, like, to somehow <laughs> it seed, would never work to somehow seed players into a Dota game on both sides who would then, but like, there's was, nothing you could do. There's nothing you could you do. You just yeah. do it. Yeah. Just all meet in the river and have a dance party or something. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to me actually. I talked about this on All Thumbs years ago. I was playing Halo, um, <laughs> Sorry. Halo Two one time with my buddies. Yeah. Uh, this was years. This was years ago when Halo Two was was current, and and we joined this multi. He, um, my buddy and I used to play, like, extremely, extremely. Like competitive, like we were really hardcore yeah, we were yeah. professionals, obviously by any means. But like we were always really highly <laughs> yeah. ranked and like really, really, really uh, did really well. And um, and I remember one time we went into a game and it was uh, one of the it was this one I can't even remember the names anymore. I used to know all these maps. And it has there's a big inverted like it's like a big inverted dome, like a big bowl mm-hmm. in the center of the map that is kind of a focal point and spokes of the map come off of it. And we we approached that and there was <laughs> and there was music playing. And we're like, what the hell? And it turned out some guy had plugged his MP3 player directly oh, yeah. into his mic, into his mic input, and was blasting Neil Diamond. <laughs> and he was just like, Neil Diamond dance party, let's go! And everybody <laughs> from, like everyone, like you know, almost everyone from the game was just in there doing the thing where you like crouch and stand yeah, yeah, up yeah. again. Of and course. everyone was just in there doing the like, crouch dance. Oh man! And there were like two or three guys from like both, you know, from both teams. It's like, what the fuck is this gay shit? Like, running around trying to kill people, and people would just kill those guys and then keep dancing. It was the absolute best thing. It was so fun. That would happen in Counter Strike a lot, as I recall. Oh, really? Just like people would just be like, "Let's just have a knife thing," and then everybody would just pick up their knife and run <laughs> run to the middle, and then 
they would just kind of look at each other, you know, like the two, yeah. like the terrorists yeah. and the counterterrorists would just be like, eh. and then somebody would just start broadcasting <laughs> bullshit and like yeah. just everybody would just like I run love around the and jump and like, phrases, let's have a knife thing. <laughs> yeah, like only knives this round and just be like, what? <laughs> and then it was just devolving and just madness. Like we had a one-on-one mate. We did a thing at Telltale like years ago when we used to be super into TF2. Um, it was just TF2 Fight Club, where we'd go <laughs> onto these servers and convince strangers what we were kind of accomplished, yeah, which was everybody yeah, you meet yeah. in the middle of the map, we'll it just make a ring, the, that was the and then it's just one-on-one. Right. You'd be like, oh. you and you, yeah, yeah, yeah. go, and then they'd have to go in there with melee, and then right. like, ah! Were there classes yeah. that just dominated that? Um, Not really. Not in particular, huh. if I remember. I mean, yeah. I'm in my mental, in my, my eye, mind's eye, I see people playing like as the heavy and as... um. Uh, the demolitions man, huh. the demonstrations man, as Jay yeah. calls him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the sniper would be tough in that in that situation. Well, it depends. He's got that, that Kikri yeah, he does crazy knife now. Yeah. yeah, you can always go melee. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was always melee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a thing. So. Yeah, it was really fun. Hmm. What a weird podcast this one is. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nick, I am curious about something. Hmm. Uh, on Twitter, like. Five days ago, yeah, you posted something like, "I can't believe Metro Last Light. How did 4A make this game?" Oh yeah, what? I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't that believe is, they've well, done this. Believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. Uh, yeah, no, I I kind of dismissed that game on the last podcast, as I recall, and you dismissed I dismissed that game pretty hard. I caught a lot of shit for too, it, yeah, uh, from a specific person, but yeah, it. It it's really fucking good. Have you guys played it anymore? Like, have you? Played, I haven't played it. Period. You haven't played a period, Chris. Mm-hmm. You haven't really. I've played, played it. a few hours, but yeah. played a few hours. Have you gotten to the theater, the the theatrical sort of city? All right. So uh, no, there's this specific level, and I'm just going to spoil it because otherwise I have nothing to talk about. But <laughs> so you get to this hub that's essentially like the place where all of the artists have just congregated in. You know, it's just like. I guess entertainment land has just formed up in the rubble of Moscow and this is that place. And so, you you know, you're, this is maybe like three hours into the game and you're walking through this hub and it's very Metro in the sense that it's extremely linear and you're kind of passing these vignettes, which is something that I I criticize in the first game. I love that stuff in the first game immediately off the bat. I think, I think part of my problem with this game initially was that, there's just so much in your face talking at the beginning. Yeah. The guy that you're, I agree. I the guy like that the, you're with yeah. just never stops talking. And like I actually started to care about him a little bit despite that. Oh wow. But if he had just shut up like fifty percent of the time, I would have cared about it even more. Right. But regardless, like there's a lot of just nonstop yelling and exposition. No, that, that's and, the stuff that, that made me Right. Have, and have it give me a harder time yeah. getting into Last Light. And at this point you get to the hub and that guy just goes away uh. and you can actually just kind of walk through it. And the vignettes, like, God, they're so technically insane to me. I don't. I mean, it's just all mocap stuff, but the just the pure volume of of just technical artistry in this game is just destroying me right now because I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how they made that game and the amount of time that they had and probably the amount of money they had uh, knowing that situation. But like, it's phenomenal. You're walking through this uh, sort of bizarre, and they're just, you know, it's I whenever I walk through a scene like that, it just reminds me of like The Last Express or something. Um, where just the scenes go on way longer than you would think they would. And it, it does sort of become immersive, but I, when they're vignettes like that, it, it's still, I can see that, you know, okay, this one was just triggered. This one was just triggered and it's, it kind of falls apart. There's, there was one actually that was really interesting where 
a guy was sort of doing shadow puppets on a wall, and I thought that was really creative. But So you get past that, though, and at that point I was just like, oh, this is kind of what I expected. And you get to the actual theater where it's so funny how it's gated. It's gated in the most kind of the hilariously video game way, which is you're leaving the town, but it just the exit just so happens to be at the end of the theater or something. Right, sure. So it's just like, oh, I just happen to be in this theater. But you can sit down and watch this show, and it's the show they do nightly for all of the survivors of this apocalypse. And all the artists are there, and they all come on, and they do these little, like, reviews. Like, there's just, you know, set after set, and some guy's just playing a banjo. Mm -hmm. And then there are just, like, can-can girls. And then there's just a guy, like, uh, like twirling fire or whatever. And it's just – it goes on for, like, 20 minutes. And you can just sit there and watch this show. Yeah. And what was weird about it was, like, initially I was like, all right, I get what they're doing here. They're just stringing together all these mocap things. They're just doing this for a Kotaku post or something. Like, they're just – I was really cynical about it. I was just sitting there like, all right. Because you're Nick Brecken. Because I'm Nick Brecken. I was like, there's going to be an achievement at the end of this, and it's going to be just some bullshit and whatever. But the longer I watched it – I love hearing like, your Grinch heart melt in real time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Like, the longer I watched this show – The more your heart grew. The more my heart grew. Like – it was weird, like the ambient background noise of just whatever was going on outside of this theater, just like the weird like chattering mm -hmm. and just kind of hollow yeah. post-apocalyptic whatever sort of became like a strange – I don't know. Like I, everything sort of dropped away and I – it was – it became – I guess like if I had an Oculus Rift on, it would have been the most immersive scene I've ever experienced I think because I was just – I was forced to be in this seat and Started just convulsing stare, of the way he said just stare at. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but you're like the fact that Palmer I more lucky just like. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But like, I'm just, I'm just, just the fact that, that, that you're sitting in this one spot and focused on a single thing right. for yeah. a long period of time. It was a really weirdly unique thing to do in a game. Like, I don't, I can't really compare it to anything. And the longer it went on, the more I was just completely sold on the moment and. It actually put me in the shoes of somebody in that like weird post-apocalyptic thing. Like I actually – for like a split second, I was like weird. I feel like I'm in this fucking world you know so in a way that, that I've never felt in a game before and it was really weird. You know what's interesting about that to me is that I, I'm um, – I don't know if skeptical is the right word. But like I'm definitely not as just wholeheartedly enraptured with the concept of – Immersion for its own sake. Mm. As, like, well, I'm not some really either. Because I'm like, I'm skeptical sometimes of just escapism for its own sake, right? Sure. Like, you, that, that can often be used to, like, you know, sell a bunch of stuff that has no real substance yeah. because it just feels present or visceral, right? And, like, even if there's absolutely nothing there. But what's really interesting about what you're, what you're describing is that you're describing essentially the game triggering some, um, response of empathy in you for people who actually are in a situation yeah. where escapism is entirely warranted exactly and in like oh yeah necessary to survive and like is, like you you were really in an escapist yeah. moment really of escapism for the mm -hmm. subjects of that of that scene and like i that to me is like a, a 100 percent valid time to yeah. just immerse the shit out of you, you yeah i know no, it was really good <laughs> I, really I thought of that when that was happening is i'm glad you brought it up because like yeah you're sitting in this in this gallery and people behind you are just, you know, so happy to have anything that is mm -hmm. even somewhat entertaining. And, you know, it's it's just it's a surreal moment in a lot of ways. But like 
it really plants you in that place. And I think part of it is also just the immobility of it, which I think is what made me think of The Last Express. Because in that game, when you just sit in that dining car and watch people talking, mm. I think that's immersive in a way that if you're just running around an environment, you can't be immersed in that same way. Like, I think yeah. just the idea of just planting and focusing is something that I think you don't get in most games. And you know what I also love about that is that moments like that um, – there's been kind of a, a, a common thing that has um, surfaced in a lot of AAA, uh, you know, 3D AAA games in the last several years. And it's kind of just what I think of now as just AAA sound design ambience, mm. which I really dislike. It's like this very specific yeah. – I mean it sounds different from game to game, but essentially it's like tortured metal and like big yeah, yeah. stretched out moans and like huge reverby just undertone that's always there. And it's this this like sound – of triple A immersive games, usually shooters and sometimes third person games. Um, and I, and it just, it's like such a default choice to me at this point. Like it just bothers me because as soon as I hear it, I'm like, Oh, it's another game that sounds like that. Just like all the other games that have all crazy graphics and sound exactly like that. It drives me right. up the wall. Um, and so I find myself really, really appreciating games where that background noise is not that. But it's actually like human chatter and like the yeah. sound of people living lives and things, you know, what, regardless of, of um, you know, whether you're – I mean it's something that I, I love in a game that's set in a modern current city or a game that's set in something like Metro where it's desperate people in an underground subway uh, station, you know, like mm-hmm. it's uh, – or tunnel or whatever. Um, I – it just – it's like a relief to me yeah. when I to have that ambience rather than just the like copy-paste in – more just kind of like dour triple A sound ambience mm-hmm. shit, which I'm just really, really tired of. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that was something I loved about the first Metro game uh, was that you there wasn't a lot of um, – well, there wasn't as much of just the straight up exposition stuff as there is in Last Light. But there was a lot of just that human ambience, you know, which I, which I just really love. And also the human ambience stuff you can sell – more convincingly and it breaks less frequently mm-hmm. in the sense that yeah. like a person talking right to your face in a video game very frequently like, they're going to say something that's pretty dumb or the right. voice performance is going to be substandard or like there's going to be some or like the vo- well, face, facial animation is going to be fucked like there's going to be something what's know? what was horrible what? at this scene is like if you just stare straight at the stage it it totally works but if you t- if you pan just 30 degrees right and look at the woman next to you She's just this plastic-looking, like, sure. she's got the goofy, like, wig, detached hair thing going on, and she just looks over at you with this gaping, like, smile, like, Ugh! and it's just, oh, it just completely Nick falls Brecken's apart. Back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, there he is. <laughs> it's totally garbage. But, 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 yeah, no, I, I, it was, it was, it was really uh, interesting. No, that sounds pretty magical. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty magical. It does. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It filled my heart with optimism for video games for five minutes. <laughs> anyway, he's back in full force. <laughs> you guys want to take a little break? Sure. And then let's sure. do that. Yeah. Gin up some reader mail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gin it up. Gin it up. Or make it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all been fabricated <laughs> for the last one hundred nine episodes. <laughs> this is Jake at home. That's why he's not here. Yeah, right. <laughs> he realized he's gotten behind. Every yeah. Mail. yeah, you too can send us mail to questions at idlethumbs.net or send these guys Dota related mail to lords at idlethumbs.net. I love mm-hmm. that that's your email address, even though that's not even in the name of the podcast. It's the best no, it's all right. Now it's we're taking a break. Video game. 
So yeah, thanks to the guys at Asymmetrics and their game Word Realms for sponsoring this episode. Uh, yeah, it's a we kind of said it in the opening bumper, but it's a single player RPG game where you use words to go through RPG turn based combat. It's sort of like Bookworm Adventure if mm-hmm. we can compare it to another game, yeah. which but, is a game I played a lot of. So yeah. when I downloaded this, it was actually right up my alley. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, Kevin Simmons and uh, Zach Johnson and the dudes over there also make a kingdom of loathing. So if you're a fan of that game, this is totally up your alley. They did a Kickstarter. They're much more successful than we are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They did a Kickstarter, um, for this game and it it was successful. And actually because of the idle thumbs Kickstarter and uh, video games, hot dog and sort of us just all being, I guess, peers, we got to know them really well and they're Mm -hmm. really, really wonderful guys and worth supporting. Yeah. This is a game that's totally worth supporting. Uh, you can get it at wordrealms.com. It's like, Eleven dollars, I think. And the thing that's actually pretty incredible What's about it eleven dollar games this week. Just the magic number. Yeah, yeah. Cool people. Market forces, Chris. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it's what the market can yeah. bear. Yeah. Eleven dollars. Go figure. I didn't mouth the thanks, Obama, but I didn't want to say. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, and uh, the thing that's really kind of incredible about this game is that they built their own dictionary and then used that to make. Like between seven and eight thousand custom responses. So, if you're fighting a guy and you say the word like, like, uh, boost, Chris, <laughs> <laughs> you write the word. This is you know, hypothetical. Yeah, you have a bunch of letters, and you're like, oh, B O O S T. You're gonna get some sort of like insult, sword fighting like yeah. response. I'm gonna boost my fist and right into your face, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, that's custom for that word or is intelli- intelligently or semi-intelligently placed inside of a sentence, which usually produces some sort of unexpected or um, unplanned comic timing. So that's really kind of cool. I, I've never really played a game like that that had such a um, a hyper-specific word parser like that. Um, it's just not something generally people take the time to do. And when you fund your own game... Like these guys did, you're allowed to do it. So definitely check it out. It's at wordrealms.com. Yeah. Good times. Did you remember your point that you wanted to make about Metroid? Metroid no, or Metroid? Metroid. <laughs> no, I didn't. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. More time for you, the readers. Yes. Let's uh, let's talk to those readers. Sure. <laughs> uh, okay. Tyler Culp says additive design. Hey, Thumbs Crew, is more always better? Games like Castlestorm have recently released tower defense game that includes the slingshot tower destruction elements of Angry Birds and Puzzle Juice, a mix of games like Tetris and Boggle, combine other games into one. Is this kind of additive design a good thing? Is having more things to do at once better? To me, in most cases, it feels a little lazy, like a developer shoved everything together so the player never gets bored. It seems to overlook the value of simple mechanics and creates arbitrary things to do. What do you think, Tyler C.? I, d- I mean, it, it's obviously the way the email's written, sort of... Yeah, it's loaded. But there's kind of two points here. I think additive design of like, oh, just and more and more and more and more is clearly not something anything anybody wants. Like, honestly, like Brutal Legend came to mind where I just said (laughs) if that game had just been the tutorial and then just sort of slowly stacked the combat mechanics, Mm -hmm. that was what I expected when I played the demo at E3, and that's what I was hoping to buy. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't think that game suffers like 
I don't think intention-wise, it was like, oh, let's just paste all these things, no. things together. It's funny because that like. game actually – it was actually the other way around. Mm-hmm. That game started as much more of an RTS thing and like became more of an action game over right. time. So like – Interesting. I mean if anything, that goes to show that the – maybe the soul of a game often doesn't reveal itself you yeah. know, without iteration. Like I mean it's – you know, game design is weird and mm-hmm. mercurial like that. But um, on, the, on the flip side, something we've been talking about a lot is sort of – um, were you going to get to that? Were you, you going to try to re-answer that JRPG email today? Yeah, we can do that. You know, I mean, you can mm-hmm. play through, you can well, through it. We we failed on our previous podcast to release a podcast. Oh, there's another JRPG. Oh. It's a, it's the ongoing saga of, of Chris's oh. hate of the Japanese. But we'll get to that shortly. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Never forgive for this. Yeah. But I think... But yeah, you're right. That is a very similar... It's sort of topic. the flip side of, well, you shouldn't just implement all these things in a genre because that's what you yeah. do. So I think taking something like the dialogue trees of a classic adventure game and combining mm-hmm. them with a stealth game and also like this mm-hmm. fling mechanic, which is sort of very much me- mechanical mashup in yeah. something like Gunpoint, yeah. produces a very boiled down, like, like delicious game. You know, it's a not... A delicious dish, if you will. <laughs> it doesn't feel... Thanks, Kirk. It doesn't feel overly... It doesn't feel like there's too much of any one ingredient. Right. You know, and I think... You're going for it. What do you mean? Oh, just the food metaphor. Just the metaphor? I'll, yeah. like, I'll let it go. No, 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 no. I enjoy it. So I think those mechanics can just simmer <laughs> in, a, in their own juices yeah. uh-huh. and so produce a... Uh, <laughs> we're going to go to Dear Mom. You're going to get that, okay. that that burger. It's not going to be called, like, whatever, yeah. Cortana's ham or whatever. <laughs> Cortana's <laughs> ham. <laughs> it's going to just be called a hamburger when we go there. I hope you're okay Cortana's ham bone. Good. I don't know. I'm not good with names. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, or the correct ga- video game reference. I know. <laughs> <laughs> What's the girl in named Evil Awakes in, when this in third of a pound of patty? Uh, Kerrigan. Oh wow! Katana is the other that yeah. that makes so much sense. <laughs> What? what? Because I turned to somebody at this stupid event, <laughs> and there was like one unit, that. and yeah. I was like, "Oh, is that Cortana?" And they were like, <laughs> and they like gave me the fucking full shoulder. Like they uh, gave I'm me a professional game developer. Uh, like legitimately uh, host a turned on, on their. Oh, they turned on their like X axis yeah, or yeah, Y axis, one hundred and eighty <laughs> degrees. And I was like, "Well, fuck you, motherfucker. Never mind." <laughs> like, gee, I come here too. I know video games. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Full dad. Yeah. <laughs> is that Super Mario? <laughs> no love for dad. Oh, there was zero love for dad. Oh, at, wow. At dear so mom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Man, you, I had no idea you were such a noob wood PC. <laughs> oh, yeah. Knob. <laughs> Knob wood PC. Knob wood PC. Oh, that's my favorite thing ever. Yeah. What were we saying? Um, games. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's our response. Yeah, yes. I think yeah. we basically agree. Yeah. Um, we, so yeah, I mean, I, do you want to go right from that into that other one? Because they, they are kind of similar. So I heard you answer this thing three times already. So and I'm just going to see how. So Casper Michael how efficiently says, you can. Yeah. Um, he says, "Dear thumbs, thanks for another great episode. I'm writing about Chris's response to an email that posited Costume Quest has the same kind of problems as a JRPG, and shouldn't that mean Chris should dislike Costume Quest?" Um, Chris in his response said... The logic of your opinions is confounding, Chris. <laughs> Chris in his response said that Costume Quest and 30 Flights of Loving, for example, match their ambition to the scope of the game, whereas many JRPGs by comparison do not. Further, these two games... Um, he goes on and lists just a, a bunch of specific mechanics and things. He says, My problem with this critique is that it denigrates the context within which JRPGs are produced and consumed, namely Japanese society. 
Japanese games aren't just free-floating commercial mm-hmm. products that can be objectively assessed according to some trans-historical standard. They exist within a culture and within that culture's particular gaming timeline. Japanese people of diverse ages, backgrounds, and personalities buy them and play them because they love them. Some gamers from other countries love them as well. And the makers and players of these games are not crazy. They don't pr- prefer an internal number of nodes and above all else. The systems are not extraneous or arbitrary. These characteristics of JRPGs are part of a particular gaming culture that has its own logic, not to mention a structure that has evolved over time in accordance to the needs of Japanese gamers and in response to the pressures of the Japanese gaming market and the desires and ambitions of Japanese game developers. It may not be Chris Remo's culture and he doesn't have to like it, certainly, but it is perhaps a problem to mistake cultural rules and rhythms that you don't appreciate for arbitrariness. Casper. So I thought this was... Fuck boom, Remo! (laughs) No, I thought this was a really good email and I think the guy's point is well taken. Um, I want to... um, Depending on your point of view, either defend myself or simply clarify what I was saying. Um, so I did actually because I because I intuited while I was while I was making that point in the last podcast that um, there is definitely a cultural angle to that that I was kind of raising without maybe giving it its proper due. Um, I did for that reason deliberately also bring up first person shooters, which is another genre I feel like has has suffered. I mean. Another major genre that is right. I mean, there's other there's other more niche genres that have had this uh, issue as well. But another major genre that has, in my opinion, suffered from kind of design ossification. You know, where there's just certain things that were kind of laid out in the formative examples of those genres, and the genre has sort of marched along for years and years, and and kind of just doubled down and like yeah. dug in on those things. And I, I I'm I'm from the United States. I'm an American, and that genre is also largely produced by or at least was largely pioneered by by companies in the country that I'm from and is still a, a lot of them are made here. Um so I feel like I'm I'm not at a at a position of creative uh, of cultural bias on that point. But I I part of my response to his email is the notion of um the word arbitrary. Uh, so to me when he kind of brings up these sort of sociological factors and cultural factors and and brings up, for example, um, the pressures of the Japanese gaming market as a factor that influences JRPGs, I my response would be, yeah, I mean, you're right. That's undoubtedly true. But to me, that that's kind of the thing I actually meant by arbitrary. Like that that's something that is sort of a, a just the winds of of you know business and culture and and other things that may assert themselves on a game without being fully considered from the perspective of the game itself. Right. Well, it goes because, over, sorry, sorry go no, no, I'm interrupting. Sorry. Um, I, I so well, it goes kind of beyond these. Is well, somebody sits down to make an RPG in Japan and goes. Well, here's all the things an RPG has. Right. This is what we're going to design. That doesn't right. happen. But because they become entrenched, they sort of are perfunct. They, they're pr- right. they're perfunctory. They're, they're yeah. not. Uh, yes. What's the word? Um, they're not arbitrary. They become this these perfunctory elements, right. which I think is something. Sure. And that's almost that is that might be a better word yeah, to yeah. use. Probably actually, you're right. Yeah. Um, and I I think you can look at um, creators from any from anywhere from from the United States from from Japan from Europe uh, who are obviously very conscious of this and very thoughtful people and make games that are not, um, that I, I don't think suffer from that as heavily. And I, I would say, um, a Japanese creator who I, I, res- I greatly respect in, in that, um, 
arena is uh, Fumiru Oeda, who uh, made um, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. And those are obviously not um, RPGs, so that it's not a direct apples-to-apples comparison, but I think essentially the point is the same, which is that unlike, for example, Keita Takahashi, who made Katamari Damacy or something... That's what i while you're talking, but yeah. Right, so the reason I, I, I use Oeda as an example, just for the... I mean, there's a million people you could use as an example, right? But just in this case, I want to compare those two guys because... Takahashi, who I also love, his game, you know, Katamari is hilarious and Nobi Nobi Boy is bonkers. Um, those games are so far outside any traditional genre constraints that I feel like they're not as useful for this direct mm-hmm. comparison. Enough. They almost um, feel either like A, pure art, or B, as almost like a reaction. Yeah, against. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas Fumeda Oeda, I feel like, exists very comfortably inside relatively traditional bounds of what the what a game is like what is a video game person who likes video games and buys a lot of video games what does that person think a game is oh well it's a guy runs around and like fights some monsters and solves some puzzles and explores an area and does some things but he doesn't i don't feel like those games are saddled with all of these assumptions about like third person action games or collecting shit or i suspect the difference is just in the density of narrative right because those games the narrative is like this thin right and and i, I feel like well there's no narrative there's almost well there's there's some but there's, i was gonna there's, say there's, in like, there's, there's, like almost the difference nothing. between what a JRPG the, the, and yeah I, I, oh, think, I think the I, differences I, are way deeper than that well okay I mean, I then think, elucidate me <laughs> well so the thing i was going to say is that there are there are relatively few mechanics in a game like eco like there's there are a lot of interesting systems like pulling along the girl and having you know when you when you jerk the analog stick too far in one direction you kind of run and like <sighs> jerk her along and she kind of stumbles and that's a really affecting moment but in terms of mechanics the stuff you as the player are doing it's pretty stripped down compared to a lot of other japanese third person action or exploration games whether they be kind of devil may cry like crazy action things or uh, platformer sort of collecting driven games that are not as combat oriented like those games really boil down to the essence of what each game is trying to be about and i feel like there's a thoughtfulness and a, and an extreme restraint to those design designs that i i really appreciate and they feel a lot less perfunctory to me and i i feel like in jrpgs it's less common at least certainly in in most of the ones i've been exposed to <clears throat> it seems there is such an overwhelming amount of just this particular expectation of these mechanics, even when there's like, a oh, this one, like we are twist on yeah. battle, JRPG battles is this or like our crazy weird inventory things works like this. But they're in general very still off um, saddled with a lot of these just like perfunctory choices. And that's not inherently bad. Like I don't I think it's totally fine for someone to just really enjoy that. And and play those games like that. That's totally there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I don't think that the fact that a bunch of people do um, means it's offensive to point out that that they may have become that there might be a certain amount of just of just creative stagnation going on. And like and because I, I don't think that's unique to JRPGs at all. I think it's actually quite common in a number of genres. And I would actually be quite interested to read someone's like sociological. Um, paper that goes into why Japanese culture, Japanese business practices, um, Japanese taste, you know, all inclusively has resulted in these decisions. I think that would actually be really fascinating. Like, that would be extremely interesting. Um, but I don't think it, I don't think the fact that that has happened is in and of itself a reason to excuse 
um, kind of unconsidered um, extraneous design. Uh, you know, and, and I know again, like it's just my opinion that it's extraneous design, of course. But I mean, I'm the one. It's, it's my opinion. I mean, someone <laughs> like, else, I'm the one who's got his own podcast. Someone else. <laughs> my point is not to say that other people's opinions are wrong or that my opinion is only correct one. It's just to say I I think there's a difference between uh, kind of cultural forces generally and just evaluating an individual work um, uh, on its merits. Because I, I, I really do think this criticism I have applied, in fact, on this podcast before to games that are not Japanese at all of any genre. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's exclusive to that, to that culture in, in any way, shape or form. Um, but, I, but I do think this was an extraordinarily interesting email and I'm glad, I'm glad the guy wrote it um, because, you know, I mean, it's always, it's always worth being conscious uh, when you're talking about when you're talking about this stuff i mean yeah so says chris remo the american sorry for that big dump there <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i was called out i wanted to yeah yeah myself. yeah you gotta you gotta step to being called out yeah lest lest you become a monster nietzsche said that i think <laughs> Um, sorry, you see, huh? That seems to have bummed you out. That my answer? Uh, no, it's he's what? gonna. Yeah. He's like he's he's actually playing. Um, the world ends with you on his iPhone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, with his left yeah, hand over just there. Going home to my, you know, which is actually. I mean, playthrough. I haven't played that game, and I, I almost did bought it world today. You, uh, they have a, like a new iPad version of it. Uh-huh. But I feel like that game does some sort of mechanically mm-hmm. very sort of different. It was things. crazy game. I actually, you know, what's funny yeah. is I wanted to enjoy that game more than I did. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was one of those games that I respected a lot, but I was just bad at. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just had a really, for whatever reason, I'm like, this is really cool, and I, I was just really bad at it. I there was like a dual control thing mm-hmm. that I was just, I just could never quite mm-hmm. pick up very well. Yeah, but it was cool. I liked it. Um, Let's see here. Mike Roberts says, Metro in Russian. Hey, Thumbs. Um, Isn't this the opera one? No. He says, hey, Thumbs, make sure you read this before Steve's Light Jam email. I don't want to have to follow that. We'll get that next week when Jake is back. (laughs) Steve's Light Jam email. He says, the thing about playing Metro in Russian is that if you can understand it, the voice acting is... Oh, wait. This is also a response to Jake. Maybe we should wait on this as well. Yeah. Man, Jake, when Jake leaves... I actually asked Mike to write this, so we should wait. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mike is Sarah Argadale's boyfriend. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Hi, Mike and Sarah. Reader. Yeah. Classic pair of readers. Um, I like to think of people, of couples listening to this podcast together. It's There's charming, isn't it? It's really sweet. <laughs> yeah, they're the only, they're <laughs> the the only, only one. ones. <laughs> right in. Maybe there aren't. You don't think Greg makes uh, couples at idolthumbs.net? Send it in. Don't, don't do that. It won't go anywhere. Yeah, that'll bounce. <laughs> that'll just make us seem like huge assholes. Yeah. Oh, right into couples. <laughs> if there even are any, send email on deliverable. Address does not exist. We're just assholes now. Okay. Um, I'm looking at all these emails, and they all require Jake because they're all either about something Jake said, or they're addressed Jesus to well, Jake. We've or lost, they're just, yeah. we've lost the keystone. <laughs> we can't. This whole thing is toppling. This is just. There's one that starts off with just dear Jake. How do you do it? In fact, <laughs> what? I'm reading this now because Is I, sure that's I not from Jake? want to read a complimentary email <laughs> to Jake on top of all these other Jake-addressed emails we have that's here. Let's get one out of the way. Jude says, Dear Jake, 
How do you do it? Wait a minute. This is Jew Jackson. Oh, did we read this already? No, but there's a separate Dota. All right. This is getting weird. He says, how Wait do you a, do read it? Read his email. Every other episode or so, you accurately <laughs> cross-reference each game or developer you talk to, you talk about to the episode where it was first mentioned or interviewed on Idle Thumbs, listing not only the episode number, but also the title and the exact circumstances exactly. under which the episode is recorded. Quizzically, Jude. Jake is feverishly Googling on his iPhone when somebody <laughs> mentions something like Max Schaefer, and he goes, oh... He was on episode 29, yeah, Torch, yeah. light that ass up, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you want to hear his PS? PS, yeah. I assume you're just checking your phone. <laughs> also, you know what Also, Jake does just have a, in, like, a very like, catalog style. He, he can get to stuff very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. Jake, that's as long as he's, not, as, long really as he's not under yeah. emotional duress. Sure. Yeah. Then he just shuts down. Yeah. Then he just, he but, um, I wanted to <laughs> falls into a heap. Your, your, uh, your crass reference to Torchlight. I wanted to, we, we sort of started to talk about, we never actually finished the thing you brought up where you were talking about the swapper and gunpoint and why gunpoint has been hovering up at the top of the steam charts like and an the swapper right, hasn't. I know yeah. it was, but I, um, and you know, we were, we, we, um, I mean, we've talked before, not even just on this podcast, but Sean, you and I have talked about the name, the swapper and how, Neither of us likes it very much, and how it was kind it's of not that I don't us. like it. It's just that it feels inappropriate. Well, sure, that's yeah. what I mean. It's yeah, not yeah. inherently a terrible. Like I could think of syllables. a game called The Swapper. Yeah, that isn't no, no. this game. Yeah, that's, that's, that's more <laughs> what I meant. Sorry, neither of us were crazy about it as a name for this particular game. Yeah, and um, it's just so funny to see it come up in that that very stark Futura font, I know. all capital, the Swapper, the Swapper. Yeah, and uh-huh. and we were talking about Gunpoint and how great of a name that is. You know, just how immediately. Um, yeah, assertive. You know, yeah, like it's very strong. The entire, the fulcrum of the entire design is cap- encapsulated at the the point of a gun of the bullet that's going to come out and kill you if you fuck up. Yeah, and then later you can get a gun that you can use as a weapon to like, In or fact, as a, you, as can, a yeah, you can you can pin guards have, down at gunpoint. Yeah, basically, yeah. And it's just really really sharp yeah as somebody who's terrible at naming things naming things is hard it's so fucking it's really hard. hard and you just had yeah. brad muir on your podcast yesterday talking about massive chalice yeah which is one of my favorite names for anything in a while yeah i love that name it's so good yeah it is it has assonance it it is adjective noun yeah it's perfect it combines it combines like a very kind of cliche fantasy word like chalice is one of those it's one of those fantasy words that fantasy people always use to just make a normal thing sound like impressive you know take that fantasy like people. fantasy just, people it's like no wow. it's like saying a flagon of mead it's like oh come like oh you know it's just you hear it and you're like all right you just Somebody's want this sharpening sound, their, like, their i just their, i whatever, know broadsword cool. i know but it but it but by um combining it with massive it creates well. it just creates this like almost tongue-in-cheek like massive chalice like it's just it's it's not to be trifled with yeah, yeah. it's yeah. very it's concrete like, yeah, it's, it's really it, wonderful and it undercuts the you know kind of um yeah what i think it would be if it was not if it didn't have massive attached to it but anyway when we were talking about good names the other day mm-hmm. i mean the ones that came up were like like i can't remember how we we got into it but Grim Fandango Grim being Fandango. another one of those yeah. sort of just yeah. perfect. So good. It just yeah. so encapsulates mm-hmm. everything about the feeling of that game. And it's only in the game once in a super obscure place. That's okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Torchlight I brought up. Because mm-hmm. Torchlight is one of my favorite game names ever. I think it's amazing. You know, I, I, I guess the town in the game is called Torchlight, but I'm 95% certain they named the game before they... <laughs> 
before they named the town. Even if it. they didn't, you hold on to that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just hold wonderful. Like belief. it creates the sense of like the solitary underground right. nature of the thing, but it also has a bit of a fairy tale feel to it, which mm-hmm. the game totally. You know, you wouldn't call Diablo Torchlight, even though it's got a lot of the same shared qualities. Um, just, just, just super evocative, super fairy, great. Yeah. And I was saying, I was saying this to you the other day. I'm sorry to have to repeat it to you, but to our readers, I haven't. Maybe I have. In fact, I probably have. I was reading a. There's a, a an epilogue at the end of uh, the Name of the Rose, which is the first novel by Umberto Eco, and like possibly his best novel. It's um, I'm a huge fan of of his work, and uh, that's one of his best. And it's a really great read. Um, it's just a. It was about his process writing this book, and just about his a lot of just his general thoughts on literature and 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 uh, arts and life, I guess. And it's just wonderful. And he talks about naming it the name of the rose, uh, which is really interesting because if you read that book, the phrase "the name of the rose" does not appear in it, and there isn't anything. I don't know. If, have either of you guys read that book? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Well, that's okay. Um, it's, uh, it's good though, but, uh, it doesn't, there's nothing uh, like directly obvious about what that name has to do with the book, except that it feels appropriate. And he was saying, he says in, in this epilogue, um, that that's why he chose it. It seemed like something that was appropriately evocative and appropriately, um, believable in the context of this world and somehow said something. I love the idea that to him, it felt like it said something about the novel, if, even if he couldn't necessarily quantify exactly what. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's that's a great thing about art, in, good art in general. You know, is a is a creator's ability to kind of intuit things like that, even mm-hmm. if they couldn't map it on a, you know, a flowchart and and explain why this means that and this means that. You know, there, that's just something that I think is is really wonderful and very elusive and difficult. But um, but I thought that was great. Like naming things is definitely hard and an art unto itself. Yeah, I know that wasn't related to anything we were just talking about. <laughs> it was related to the original conversation about Gun like an hour ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I can't remember why we brought it up just now. The Swapper, Gunpoint. Yeah, one of those. Two games. fantastic one of those games. Names is good. Mm-hmm. For Twenty bucks, but they're both good games. Yeah. Anyway, you want to call it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Thanks, cool. guys. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Fuck it. <laughs> thing there, but no. Right. Rate us on iTunes. I assume that's what you're gonna say. No. Oh. Nope. Video games. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I don't think you're ready for this. My body's so bootylicious. <laughs>